A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi there and welcome to the Explaining History podcast and uh, today I'm going to talk uh, about um, a, a brilliant book, a, a real kind of uh, game changer in the study of uh, journalism and war, um, The First Casualty by Philip Knightley, the war correspondent as hero, propagandist and mythmaker. Philip Knightley sadly died um, earlier this year and um, I corresponded with him uh, briefly uh, over his biography of Kim Philby. He was a very nice guy and happy to answer uh, all questions. And um, if you ever get a chance to read um, him, uh, read the book, read um, Kim Philby, KGB Master Spy by uh, Philip Knightley. Uh, it's a, a, cr- a cracking and very, very interesting and revealing uh, read. Um, but the first, uh, the first casualty... Um, is a really, really um, insightful and interesting and well-researched um, book. And it's the kind of book um, that you kind of sort of history uh, exploration written by a journalist that often comes to think from things from a slightly different intellectual perspective um, than, written, than anything written by a historian. But the bit I want to talk about today is the, uh, the, war, the, the practice of war reporting during the First World War, um, something that Knightley is extremely critical of. Um, he says, basically, that particularly um, British journalists were guilty of horrendous distortions and dishonesty, um, and they masked the truth of the war uh, quite successfully. Now, how valid a critique this is, I'm not sure. Um, when it came to uh, enforcing conscription in 1916, um, a an issue uh, promoted by the Daily Mail, uh, a kind of a a moral panic of an entirely unnecessary nature, um, the 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 problem that the British Army had was it still was oversubscribed by volunteers. There was um, actually very little need to introduce conscription, which uh, brings down Asquith government. So there are two ways to look at that fact. Either the British Army was successful in portraying the war as a a successful and enjoyable experience for the working classes, 
or, as seems probably more likely, the uh, horrors of and the trenches had filtered through to British society by 1916, as you would imagine, after two years of heavy fighting. And young men were still, um, uh, still happy to sign up, believing it uh, either part of their patriotic duty or um, part of uh, a wider adventure that they were going to have. Um, or part of a uh, a, a struggle for civilization that they believe themselves uh, to be engaged in. In 1914, journalism about the uh, troubles on the continent that were were brewing was fairly thin on the ground in Great Britain. Um, As Philip Knightley points out, Britain's attention was focused on the possibility of revolution in Ireland um, and the uh, crisis um, brought about by the possibility of the Third Home Rule um, Act. The, um, the condition of, uh, of particularly English thinking for the previous two decades had been that of splendid isolation, though obviously there had been entente with France and Russia in 1904 and 1908. Um, and the um, isolationist tendency of um, British public life, the British press and um, the political classes was against being dragged into European war. Lord Rothschild um, wrote to the Times city editor um, and claimed that the newspaper was hounding the country into war. Free churches across Wales um, passed a uh, anti-war resolution And the Manchester Guardian, now the Guardian newspaper, carried an advert, a full-page advert, announcing uh, the formation of a a new league uh, to stop the war. And um, this resulted in an anti-war demonstration in Trafalgar Square. Um, We have evidence across the country, this broad coalition of um, uh, church leaders, civic leaders such as mayors, and um, other dignitaries, um, businessmen, um, writing to the newspapers to keep Britain out of the war, signing manifestos, the Manchester Guardian, the Labour leader, the Daily News, um, and um, significant figures in the Labour movement, Ramsay MacDonald, Keir Hardy, the novelist Thomas Hardy, um, all protested and said that the, the war was going to be a disaster and was nothing to do with Great Britain. Um, the it's the the cabinet declares war um, in opposition to this um, culture. Now, if you want to uh, kind of imagine what this must have been like, think about the and stop the war coalitions that have existed in the past ten to fifteen years, where you've had public demonstrations, newspaper petitions. Uh, significant um, members of uh, the political classes and the media classes, even celebrities, um, saying the saying that the war will do no good and will be a catastrophe and is is unjust and wrong, um, and then you have those who uh, changed their attitude. I mean, a good example during the war is Rudyard Kipling, who was a um, a, a cheerleader for war in nineteen fourteen. Um, he uh, ridiculed um, the men who didn't sign up 
um, he wrote uh, an article, The New Army in Training, in 1915, where he said, This much we can realise. Even though we are so close to it, the old safe instincts save us from triumph and exaltation. But what, we, uh, but what will be the position in years to come of the young man who, had deli- who has de- uh, the young man who's deliberately elected to outcast himself from this all-embracing brotherhood? What of his family, and above all, what of his descendants, when the books have been closed and the last balance struck of sacrifice and sorrow in every hamlet, village, parish, suburb, city, shire, district, province, and dominion throughout the empire? Essentially. What will happen when young men miss the opportunity of glory? Well, sadly for Kipling, his son John um, was killed in September 1915. And following that, Kipling began to refer to the war as a lie. Um, He wrote a a very poignant poem, My Boy Jack, uh, in 1916. Um, And the... Uh, the great line that he has is, if any question why we died, tell them because our fathers lied. Now, in 1914, um, the British Expeditionary Force is a small, um, highly professionalised force, but it is something in the order of uh, 75,000 men. It's not uh, a, a fighting force that can uh, contend with vast volunteer armies on the, the continent. Um, and without the uh, wholehearted approval of uh, much of the country, um, it, the uh, services of uh, the British Army were going to have significant problems. And one of the difficulties that Philip Knightley points out is that uh, Germany had never really been thought as, uh, as a traditional enemy of Great Britain. Far more regularly, that enemy was seen as France and or Russia, the two powers that Great Britain is allied with. So drumming up a new anti-German uh, fear and loathing uh, was a, a, a pivotal uh, task for journalists and propagandists. And Britain, by the end of the war, had created the most effective propaganda machine in the world. It was uh, surpassed bar none, and it became the model for every regime, democratic and repressive, throughout the 20th century to uh, adhere to. So successful was it. The popular perception of the First World War in Great Britain, that it it was a a war for civilisation. The idea that it was a a war being fought for democracy, this is not uh, an idea that was uh, popular uh, amongst the troops. The, the, The term was not referred to. This was virtually no evidence that people were writing home saying, I'm fighting for democracy. Uh, democracy it was not um, a, a, a given in Great Britain anyway. 40% of the working classes couldn't vote. Um, women were only given the vote in 1918 and then fully the full franchise in 1928. So it, it was not a, um, a, a struggle for, for democratic ideas and it only really becomes thought of in those terms when uh, the Russian Revolution, the February Revolution, happens and America joins the war by April 1917 uh, and um, politicians like Lloyd George attempt to recast the war as some kind of struggle for uh, democracy and and freedom, whereas it certainly has never been thought of in in such terms. The reason why uh, it's consistently seen as a... um, a struggle for civilization. If you read Robert Fisk's amazing book, The Great War for Civilization, um, uh, which is about the 
the Western conquest of the Middle East in the 20th century. The reason why it's called the Great War for Civilization is it's named after his father's service medal, um, and which on which is written, his father served in on the Western Front, was written the Great War for Civilization. So civilization was a constant propagandist theme because the Germans were cast as being the enemies of civilization, the barbarians, the Hun, the Bosch. Um, and the, the irony here really is that firstly, uh, the Germans did very little uh, in the First World War that was particularly more savage or violent than anybody else. And that Germany itself was a, a highly advanced, highly civilised um, nation with um, arguably uh, greater levels of uh, provisions such as social security uh, than uh, any of her uh, enemies. And it was a uh, font of science, learning, uh, enlightenment and culture uh, up to uh, 1914. The uh, Germans make a number of key propaganda blunders um, when they capture Edith Cavell, um, the British nurse who had been helping um, Allied soldiers escape. Um, she was a British nurse captured in Brussels and they execute her in 1915 as a spy. Um, this kind of rather clumsy way of, of dealing uh, with the issue plays directly into British hands and you know the idea of the evil Germans murdering nurses um, becomes a, a kind of a rallying cry for kind of um, re revenge. Um. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. She was a, she had freely confessed to helping um, allied servicemen and knew that this was uh, an act punishable by death. And uh, not that this justifies what happened to her uh, at all, but the representation of Edith Cavell's execution um, by the Germans is uh, a it was used in propagandistic terms uh, by by the British. Um, the French had already shot one woman for doing exactly the same thing, and were to uh, throughout the rest of the war shoot another eight for basically the same offence um, by the end of it. 
Um, and the Daily Mail, of course, stepped in to help out um, with the representation or misrepresentation of Germany. Um, on the 22nd of September 1914, the Daily Mail succeeded in referring to the Kaiser as a lunatic, a barbarian, a madman, a monster, a modern Judas and a criminal monarch. Um, the Germans ha were portrayed... Um, as sort of a monstrous horde, they are very often demonised as kind of um, apes, um, as um, rapers of um, nuns, bayonetters of babies, burners of churches, destroyers of civilization, and they the uh, a kind of a, 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 an ancient um, anxiety about the horde from the east. Uh, which normally, and this was the suggestion that they, they, that they were something kind of Asiatic, which obviously German, uh, the German uh, nation certainly isn't, helped to portray uh, Germany as some kind of threat to Christendom. But you know, one really has to go back about five hundred years for our uh, um, Christendom uh, a to exist as a, a kind of a united entity and B, for it to be threatened by hordes from the east, normally being Mongols or the armies of Islam, completely and utterly different from, from Germany. It doesn't stop really it being a kind of like a, a powerful, emotional, unconscious sort of meme. Andrew Bonalore, who was the colonial secretary, um, told an American correspondent that it is as well to have um, British patriotism properly stirred by German frightfulness. And Lord Northcliffe, uh, the proprietor of um, various newspapers, uh, including the Mail, said, The Allies must never be tired of insisting that they were the victims of a deliberate aggression. Um, the Fabian intellectual H.G. Wells, not uh, a, a figure of the right by any stretch of the imagination, said that um, the war was inevitable because of the wickedness of Germany. Um, but that war, after that war, would spring a lasting peace, and this led him to coin the phrase "the war that will end war," uh, or "the war to end all wars," uh, which would be we should kind of hang around his neck like a millstone because he would later live to see the next war. Atrocity stories followed German actions. Um, the uh, invasion of Belgium led to the deaths of a, 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 about five thousand. Um, 5,000 civilians. Um, the French press carried um, a, a daily list of les atrocités allemandes, or German atrocities, and the British press um, joined in, and much of it is uh, fabricated. The reality being that much of it didn't have to be fabricated, that the, the death of 5,000 civilians is actually bad enough. Um, but the... Um, the kind of the fan, rather fantastical nature of some of the um, some of the uh, propaganda reporting, we would find laughable. But it's always instructive to look back at some of the things that were said about um, nine eleven, the Iraq War, etc., etc. And you you find examples uh, as uh, approaching the levels of absurd absurdity um, as you find now, as you find in nineteen fourteen, nineteen fifteen. The Financial News, for example, reported that the Kaiser had ordered German airmen to attack um, King Albert of Belgium's um, children and to, to try to see if they could bomb them. 
and that double rewards were paid to German submarine crews for sinking ships carrying women and children, and that the Kaiser had personally ordered the torturing of a three-year-old of three-year-old children, um, and and had listed the tortures that needed to be inflicted. Um, however, the 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 Norddeutsche um, Allmain Zeitung in December 1914 um, had said that um, Gurkha troops and Sikh troops that had come to fight for the British Empire liked to sneak across Allied lines at night to slit German throats and drink their blood. Um, the uh, German press obviously using uh, as much kind of racist fantasy and vitriol to frighten the German uh, population uh, as, as possible. Um, the, the German uh, army did not have uh, any colonial troops to fall back on except for those fighting in Africa. And so this was a, a, a kind of a, a good divide, a good bit of leverage that the German press could utilise. And it wasn't just journalists um, who were helping to disseminate um, these sort of fantasy stories. A, a committee of lawyers and historians uh, under the uh, leadership of Lord Bryce, um, who had been the ambassador to the US, uh, created a report, and this was this was translated into thirty languages and disseminated worldwide, showing that British propaganda was um, mindful of bringing all of world opinion on side. And this said that um, the the German army had systematically not sort of randomly, but as a kind of a purpose, um, murdered, um, outraged, and violated innocent men, women, and children in Belgium. Murder, lust and pillage, the report said, prevailed over many parts of Belgium on a scale unparalleled in any war between civilised nations during the last three centuries. Um, again, the, um, the, the atrocities themselves had happened, but uh, the, the need to exaggerate them actually tells you a lot about the propaganda war that was being waged against Germany. It was only after the war that it emerged that the Bryce Committee had not interviewed a single witness. Um, the war, the report was based on 1,200 depositions. Most of these came from Belgian refugees. Um, these depositions were taken by uh, 22 barristers um, across Great Britain. Um, none of the witnesses uh, had to um, go on oath. Um, their names were not included uh, to prevent reprisals against their relatives. And hearsay evidence was accepted at face value. And none of the depositions were ever filed with the Home Office and have, um, to this day, never been uncovered. The Belgian Commission of Inquiry in 1922 um, failed to corroborate uh, any of the most significant allegations uh, in the Rice Report. Civilization come and its defence comes back as a major theme, and the churches were able to endorse the war because they could legitimately say that civilization was under threat. The fact that Germany uh, was two-thirds um, Calvinist and Lutheran and one-third Catholic and it was uh, as devout a Christian nation uh, in Europe as it was possible to come across, it doesn't really fit into this narrative and so is, is ignored. And this war in defence of civilization that had become uh, that had previously been uh, an irrelevance to the British 
um, had swiftly been turned into um, a grand crusade and a, a struggle for civilization by the greatest world civilization in the eyes of uh, British people in 1914, i.e. The, the British Empire, which obviously, as far as they were concerned, brought the light of, of reason and enlightenment to the uh, undeveloped races. And this was now the, the, the one bulwark against uh, a, a terrible, murderous evil um, spreading across the continent. The reality, of course, was uh, um, extremely, uh, extremely contrary to this, but the, the shaping of the narrative of the defence of civilization is one of the um, key devices for galvanising not just British, but imperial forces worldwide. And as the scope of the war grew, um, the initial de- um, mechanisms for disseminating propaganda, which was uh, a, a small parliamentary committee, the Parliamentary War Aims Committee, and a small press bureau expanded into a government department, uh, the Department for Information, which finally becomes the Ministry of Information, um, which was headed by Lord Beaverbrook, who again would uh, be uh, an important uh, ally to Churchill during the Second World War, the uh, Ministry of Aircraft Supply. Uh, Beaverbrook, of course, being a newspaper magnate uh, and skilled in controlling um, the flows of information. And the propaganda effort was also aided by the Defence of the Realm Act. The Defence of the Realm Act was the most powerful piece of state censorship that has been ever introduced in Great Britain, um, and aspects of it still linger in um, things like the Official Secrets Act. And newspaper editors, far from being uh, those who spoke truth to power during the war, were men who um, were ideally co-opted by power and who um, cooperated neatly. Um, Editors of the Times, the Express, the Daily Mail, the Evening Post and the Chronicle and the managing director of Reuters all uh, worked with the government to disseminate helpful ideas. And the talent that they brought was an ability, as they had honed in the newspaper business, to articulate particular perspectives and points of view to, quote-unquote, the man on the street, and how to um, speak to his um, fears, hopes, enthusiasms, prejudices and outlooks. Now, tomorrow I'm going to talk a bit more uh, about this and look at um, what some of the uh, war correspondents in the on the field, people such as the great Wickham Steed, um, managed to uh, report and omit. Um, so tune in and we'll have a, um, we'll have a chat about that. Um, I've launched a Patreon page. I'm really there with this 21st century social media funding type thing. So um, if you enjoy these podcasts and you would like to uh, sponsor with for a meagre stipend every month, that would be greatly appreciated. And then we can really start to, to roll out more content for you guys. Anyway, um, look forward to catching you on the next Explaining History podcast, and um, I'll I'll no doubt speak to you all soon. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.